This is the Spurs Cast with your host, Paul Garcia. And welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. In today's episode, I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Colin Reed to discuss the NBA trade deadline approaching next month, Wemby versus Giannis round one, the Spurs' close loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and Trey Jones at the starting point guard position. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode with Colin. Colin, how you doing? I am doing great. It's a busy time of year, but it's an exciting time of year. Uh, the YouTube viewers might have just seen my dog jump in my lap. He's also excited to discuss the Spurs. So, yeah, it's 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 been an exciting time. You know, I, I looked up and all of a sudden we're a month away from the trade deadline, which is exciting. Um, I You know, I really have no idea. You know, so many years the Spurs did nothing. In the past couple of years, they've actually been active on the trade deadline. And I have no idea what to expect for this year, if they're going to be active or not. So it's an exciting time of year to start getting the, the gears turning for that stuff. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right into this. So this is going to be a little bit different, Spurs cast listeners. Colin got me really excited here in this first topic, because basically what, what we did is I prepped my notes. It was really just to talk about the most uh, the most recent games, which were exciting games uh, with the loss against the Bucks and then the loss to the Cavs. However, um, with the trade deadline coming up, Colin, I actually just you know said, hey, if you have anything else in mind you want to talk about, you know, go ahead and put up um, some, some notes. And so he actually did um, uh, do that. So we're, we're actually going to begin with his topic first, uh, which is the trade deadline approaching on uh, February 8th, which we are recording, I want to say, on uh, January 9th. So it's about a month away from now. Exactly. So Colin, I'm going to let you take the um, take take the helm here. However, I do want to talk about one quick rumor that just got reported today. So according to Sham Sharania, who writes for The Athletic, he also has a show on um, FanDuel TV. He said on, um, on, on what is today? Today's Tuesday? Yes. Okay. He said on Tuesday morning on that show that the uh, Spurs are one of the teams with exploratory uh, interests, again, exploratory interest in um, former Spur DeJounte Murray's that, that of course the Lakers and a few other teams are out there. I think the Knicks have been linked to DeJounte to having interest. So there's been a, a few teams with interest in Murray. However, today, according to Shams, which we know Shams is a very reputable reporter. Uh, he, he, he did report that um, the Spurs are one of the teams that has some exploratory interest. Again, he's not saying that they're going to be super aggressive about going after DeJounte or any other players out in the trade at the trade time, or they may even still wait to like the off season to make a move. But again, this is, this is just some, some new information that I that I, that I just learned today right before we recorded and so um as we go through your topics Colin um your notes uh we will kind of talk about Murray here so go ahead and begin yeah so uh first with the Murray rumors you know I think um everyone likes the idea of transaction and trades until there's an actual name listed I think people really like the idea of the mystery box you know like oh we could get a player you know, that's what a lot of the fans think. And then it's like, oh, well, the Spurs are linked to DeJounte Murray. That'd be a pretty big splash. And people are like, no, not that one. <laughs> I want someone else, which is interesting. I know that there are a lot of Spurs fans who still want DeJounte based on the time here. Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting is, you know, I don't think him alone raises this to a contender or anything. But the last time he was on the team, the offense was really centered around his pick and roll with Jakob Pertl. And that base of an offense was good enough to get them into the play-in. Mm -hmm. Like, he is a pick-and-roll ball handler. And I think one of the things that if the Spurs were to bring him on, what that would provide is 48 minutes of a solid pick-and-roll ball handler with him and Trey um, together. You know, obviously not playing together, but, like, throughout the game, now you have 48 minutes of a good pick-and-roll ball handler. I think the other thing the Spurs have been needing is a perimeter defender, a player who can get over screens, a player who can cut off the drive a player who can get to the line, you know, like he has these skills. Of course he has his warts and part of 
that is the reason why he's available after signing this huge extension and the Hawks are 14 and 21. You know, like there's a reason why he's available now, but his shooting has improved since he was with the team. So I, I think, you know, exploratory talks. Uh, I did this exercise with my brother where we talked about like, what would these talks be like? And he kind of played the Spurs and I played the Hawks. And I was saying, hey, as the Hawks, I want our 2025 first back. And he was like, well, I don't want to give you that. And then the talks just ended. And I could see that being how it goes in real life, because if you're giving up DeJounte Murray, then you're going in a new direction and you probably want your own draft pick back. If I were the Spurs, I wouldn't want to give that back if I was getting DeJounte Murray because they're getting so much worse in that uh, situation. So it's hard. I do think that, you know, he's not the perfect fit for this team, but I do think that a lot of the holes that the Spurs have, he has skills that could help fill those holes. And I do think that, over time, he could be a good pick and roll partner with Vic. Um, I was surprised when I saw that, though. You know, I came on to Twitter earlier today, and I just kind of threw out there because point guard play has been such a big discussion. Mm-hmm. I just said, hey, you know, what is a guard that, you know, any of y'all might want the Spurs to go after that be reasonably available? And the first response was DeJounte, and I didn't know this report had come out. And I was like, oh, this this person just likes DeJounte. And, and all of a sudden, no. You know, there's this report. So I, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Um, I think that, you know, it probably was just them calling the Hawks and saying, hey, what's the initial price? And maybe not too much further, but it was interesting. What what did you think about the rumor? Okay, so mine's not as much focus on the picks that would be involved because I just feel like the Spurs have the picks to get a deal done. I mean, for me, it's more so what do the Hawks want in terms of are they trying to keep a competitive team out there for Trey Young? Because you know he's obviously not going to be happy if they're get, if they're going to you know get worse. Or are they looking to start going in the future direction and maybe telling San Antonio, hey, take on some of our bad contracts, or we'll take on some of your bad contracts for better draft capital. And so that brings in two questions: like if they're if they just want the con if they just want the the picks mainly that's the, that's the focus of this trade. So they're willing to take some some contracts. So you could be, and, and the, the the good thing about this deal, if it were to happen, is that Murray's salary is not too high. It's only eighteen million. So you can you you're the Spurs, you can easily make a, a, a deal with that salary. And then his, his extension does kick in uh, this summer at 25 million. But again, even that's not too much. Like when you look at the percentage of the cap, it's not as much. So anyway, just focusing on that 18 million. So you can build a package quickly with, with some picks like around like Doug McDermott and um, like, you know, some, uh, who, who, I had some, I had a player of mine, maybe like Devontae Graham and so, and so and so, right. There's two players, Devontae Graham and Jetty Osmond, Doug McDermott, Jetty Osmond, that kind of thing. And then, and then the picks are there. So that's one route they could go, or maybe the, the Hawks want to send them back some, some salary that they don't want on their books. The other route though, the where I think San Antonio kind of, and I want to ask you this is what if they want to keep a competitive team out there right now in Atlanta and they want which obviously the player that's going to come to mind is Keldon Johnson. He's a wing there uh, still uh, on a really good contract. He signed an extension himself. And so his salary is at 20 million. So it almost lines up perfectly. And maybe you don't have to give up as much draft capital if you're San Antonio in that case, uh, you, you know, you win that battle, but again, you're, you're probably having to lose Keldon. So what do you think about that? If, if it came down to the Hawks wanting Keldon and, you know, and, and the Spurs wanting DeJounte. I think, you know, the Spurs have kind of this, log jam at wing of that size you know with malachi and jetty and um Keldon and devin vassell and sohan who you know i you know watching the bucks game of course Giannis is otherworldly talent but i think just from my eyes sohan is really well equipped to guard one through three right now and sometimes bigger fours can still power through him pretty good so you have all these guys that can guard like the one through the three position and then you have Vic, who's like a generational rim protector already. And, and I think 
you don't have a lot of the in-between right now. And so I think you do have a little bit of a log jam of those players who are like wing, smaller wing, big guard size defenders. And so I think to me, obviously when you bring in DeJounte, you're getting something similar on defense. I think that he's still filling some holes, but I, I think it's difficult because I think there's kind of a trade-off in that trade, you know, like you're giving up, um, you know, a good energy guy, a good locker room guy, um, and all of those things. You know, I think that the Spurs have to come to a decision on whether or not they want to continue with this core of young wings right now, split it up at the trade deadline, or split it up in the offseason. Um, I believe that Zach Lowe and Andrew Schlatt uh, were talking about players that OKC could target, and one name they had mentioned was Keldon Johnson, you know, and I think that we've already heard the reporting teams that aren't San Antonio feel like he might be the most gettable of those players just based on, you know, we, we've heard that kind of reporting and that doesn't come from inside the team. Like none of this stuff shows how the Spurs themselves are thinking, but there has been enough smoke that I wouldn't be surprised if they made a move like that. I think, so you talked about two potential deal constructions and that's take on bad money, uh, send out a good player, but there's also one other one, which is send out young unproven players who might take like make them take a step back right now, but could improve their long-term vision, which the Spurs, you know, actually have a decent amount of young players on the roster. If so, if if you were the Spurs and the Hawks said Blake Wesley, um, Malachi Branham, and the Chicago pick for DeJounte straight up, what would you say? Yeah, I think I I got to look at the, the the Chicago pick again, where it's where it's expected to land. What wait is that? It's not next year, right? It's It's, 20, it's, it's next year. It's is next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know what what the um, not twenty four, twenty five. You're talking about, right? Twenty five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So and isn't that supposed to be like a little bit of a better draft? I don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's better than this one for sure. Definitely better. Yeah. So that's why, like, this coming draft, I'm not afraid to you know trade any of these picks. Like that, Tony. It's the it's the following year. Um. Man, I just because, you know, again, Wesley's pretty much not part of this rotation at, at, at the moment. Branham, you know, he still, ha- we don't know exactly where his his trajectory is going to go. So I think maybe if you're San Antonio, you, you, you might look at doing something like that. If you're able to held on Kelton. But the reason why I think they're more willing to move Kelton is just because it, it almost seems like they haven't found a spot where he fits with this group. You know, just the fact that he got moved to the... um to the bench, which is, he's been very productive. It gives him more opportunity, but also pop was basically saying, you know, we want, we want Vassell and, and, and Wemby to basically be able to do more, be more creative out there. Uh, and yeah. so obviously it showed that Kelton's usage was a little bit higher with them. So I don't know, man, I'd really think about that if I was the Spurs, but that potentially, but uh, again, it's just a, an interesting trade. Um, the more that I just kind of write it down on paper, just looking at a team for next year, again, if you were just to put Kelton and, and swap Murray is, you know, you'd have Murray Vassell, Probably still need a starting three. Whether you want to go through draft, you might have the number one pick again. You could, or, or actually, no. If they get Murray, they would obviously be, probably be better in terms of. They probably still be a bottom ten team, but, but um, maybe not. Maybe not in that that bottom three anymore. Um, you know, so if you want to continue with Sohan at the four, and then you got Wemby at the five, and then off the bench, you have still a foundation there with Jones, Branham, um, and then Zach Collins, and then of course you have some depth there. Again, you're probably going to get the Raptors pick. So there's a lot of different avenues, and um. And there's still some flexibility because, like, even if they wanted to trade these these two upcoming you know, one of these two upcoming 2024 picks, that's still an option as well if they want to try to see what else what else is out there. So, um, I want you to continue with your slides. And the reason why I think I'm a little bit more um, um, open to this idea of, of Murray returning uh, as you go through your um, through your presentation here. Yeah. So, kind of one of the things that you 
anyone should do as they're starting to prepare for like getting in the mindset of what a team might do during a trade deadline or off season or anything like that. The very first thing you want to ask is, is this team going to be a buyer or a seller? And the Spurs are a really interesting part in their curve where they have been sellers for a while. And they do have a couple of players that they can still be sellers on. Um, you know, Doug McDermott and Devonte Graham, I think are the two that come to mind. But outside of that, I think at this point, they've probably moved on from like getting a whole bunch of assets in trades and they've now turned to where can we get things at the margin, take on a bad contract for an asset, um, you know, get a young player in a second draft situation where he didn't work out on his first team. Or if a young player who we think fits with our core becomes available, we have all these draft picks that we can push in now. So I think in a very interesting way, the Spurs are starting to become buyers more than they have been in a long time. Like the the timeline is kind of starting to like go up from the down um, where they kind of hit rock bottom and now it's going up. But the big question is, are they going to start aggressively pursuing that now or during the off season? And, you know, Pop did tip his hat a little bit when he said, you know, I think we're probably not going to make a big splashy move unless there's something that really fits our now and our long-term. Um, of course, you know, I think he lets Brian Wright in the front office kind of do their thing, but it, I, I would expect that he's in conversations with him. And if that's what he's hearing, that's what he's sharing along. But I do think an interesting thing is this team is starting to become a buyer more than a seller, which they have been recently. So now we're looking at what position do they need to improve on? Um, and in the slide, I broke it up into three different positions in two different roles. So starting guard, starting wing, starting big, and then backup guard, backup wing, and backup big. And I think, to me, there's only two solid lock it in, we're good, and that's the one of the starting wings possession being Devin Vassell and the starting big being uh, Vic. So outside of that, there's a lot of question marks. And that's not me saying they're going to move on from any of these other players. I think, you know, Sohan, they've already, in a, you know, the point guard experiment failed or whatever, but like where exactly does he fall within that hierarchy? You know, Trey Jones, I think the next time this team makes a playoff push is going to be the backup point guard and they're going to have someone else there. So, you know, it's not to say that those are the only two players that I think are worthwhile on this roster, but in terms of like, this is the spot where I think they will be in their next deep run. Those are the only two. And that makes it hard. Um, I think, you know, one thing I mentioned with uh, DeJounte Murray that I think is a really interesting idea to me is 48 minutes of solid pick and roll play where like, you feel like Trey Jones can do that really well. And there are some other guys on the roster who can do that in spots. And obviously Jeremy Sohan was learning that skill or whatnot, but like just have someone come in and actually be able to run, pick and roll. Trey Jones comes in, he can do it. You know, the next one comes in a name that I have kind of heard bandied about a little bit, and I know it will not excite fans. And I think there have even been times where fans have used this player as like a mediocre trade target name, but I actually think would make the offense way more watchable is Trey's brother, Tyus. He mm -hmm. is a free agent this off season and getting him now means that you have his bird rights. And of course, like that's not a sexy, that's not the Bucks getting Dame in the offseason, but it does get you 48 minutes of consistent point guard play, which I think does mean something for Vic and his development. So to me, 
the pick and roll part is a big one. And then the big wing, like a starting wing who you can throw on a Giannis. And of course, again, Giannis is one of the best players in the league, but you know, he, he could get whatever he wanted against the Spurs on Thursday night, you know, especially because Vic is focused on their five man and protecting the rim. And now all of a sudden they're having to go to this zone where they're doing the build a wall strategy. And now he's kicking out to three point shooters who are getting open shots. So I think a big wing who can like um, early Spurs era, Rudy Gay would be great on this team right now, for instance. But to me, those are the two is like, whether it's a starter or a bench, a guy who can run the pick and roll so that you have 48 minutes of it with this player and Trey Jones. And then like a starting big four who you can throw on the biggest wings. Uh, and then you can have Sohan attack the best one through three on their team as a defender. So to me, that's what it is. I haven't actually started looking at what those players would be. I thought this would be a really early discussion for us because we are a month away. But that's kind of where I got. Was there anything that you started thinking of as you looked at this in terms of like a player type or a position that the Spurs have a need at right now? We both have the same holes in the lineup in terms of like what are the future positions that they definitely need. So yeah, no, no it was I just wrote down you know one two three four five and then I um I did the starting lineup then I did the bench and for the starters you know for the two I think like you said Vassell's locked in there I think that that's his position you know they don't really need to upgrade there. Um, Wemby, of course, at the five or the four, you know, if they, uh, he, he, play, he could play either right now, I think just having a best right there at the five. And then for now, I didn't think it was an immediate need to, to move Sohan down, you know, move him around, whether it's still in the starting lineup or even, even off the bench. So I think even for next season going into uh, my mindset was more so like the next one to like two or three years, like just kind of, uh, I, this season's pretty much a wash. Obviously we know they're five, they've only have five wins. So, um, you know, you're not really worried about winning, winning this season. It's more so, uh, for starting beginning and next season. So when you're targeting players, that's what you're looking for, uh, for next season. And so again, right now I'm pencil, I'm putting, I'm putting so, so hand there at the four. So then, so then like you said, starting point guards, the one position, first of all, and then second is that starting small, what I would say, small forward and, and you, you know, a player that, that fills there, uh, fits there, should I say. So you have the, the backup point guard, um, you know, locked up, like you said, Trey Jones, you have for now, I'm just putting Brandon there as a backup to if with Kelton's uh, on the team still that, you know, your backup three and then, and then Zach Collins, when he gets healthy, still that you're backup five. So there is a position there, whether it's starting or off the bench as, as another four, like you're saying, a power forward uh, player. Um, so I looked at it more. So I went through all 30 teams just real quick, real quick glance at their salaries. And, and I was trying to look for players that, you know, they're set. It wouldn't take a lot for the Spurs to, 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 um, acquire this player via trade at the deadline. And also is this player either on a long-term contract, um, that's, that's manageable, or is it a player who's, who's in going into free agency? And, but then, you know, you would basically want that commitment. Um, you know, just you're very positive or very, um, how do you say it? Like very confident that you're going to resign this player in the summer. Okay. So uh, I actually, before even looking at the Murray rumor, I actually had already wrote down Murray for Kelton just because the Hawks were the, were the first uh, team that I, that I, you know, clicked their page on my salary sheets. And so DeJounte Murray was obviously one of the, because again, he, he, you have him under contract for four years after next year. So again, and it's a manageable, it's a manageable salary within, within $30 million each season. So again, he's not, like you said, he's not going to, you know, they're not going to go all the way to, to, to contender status, but they're going to, with, with the last team with DeJounte was a playing team. Not only that, you have, a better of a sell you have you have Sohan you have um you obviously have you have Wembenyama so so there's just a higher ceiling for that that level of team uh with Murray and then you have that that steady um productive point guard who you know what he's going to bring he's not he's familiar with the Spurs system um so so that that he was one of the players in terms of that starting point guard role that that again it's not a huge salary that you're giving up it's not a lot of assets that you're giving up um, so, and he, and he would run the team for like the next four years and that would be a good building block with Wemby um the other the other player I had 
Um, now, again, not not really a, you know a, a marquee name. It's Dorian Finney-Smith of the Nets, more so just like as a stopgap for these next two years because he's under contract. Um, let's see, next year he's he's under contract. This year, next year he's under contract, and then he has a player option in twenty five twenty six. Again, um, he's his salary is about thirteen point nine million dollars this year. Next year it's about fifteen point four or fourteen point nine. So again, more so just to be like I said, just a three a good established three and D wing. Um, again, he's he's not gonna help on the creativity, but he's going to be one of those lockdown defenders for you. We saw how good he was in Dallas. Obviously he hasn't had the same type of seasons with um, Brooklyn. Uh, he is 30 years old. So that would mean that again, you're getting for like those two years. Again, the Spurs aren't expected to go to be, be championship contenders by that time, but still it's a, it, he's a more productive player. He has a defined role. So that that's one of the, one of the moves I looked at in terms of, of, of starting um, wing. And then I also wrote down, like you said, Tyus Jones and also Monty Morris, uh, who's with the Pistons. Basically, they're in the same situation where Jones has a larger contract of 14 million. Morris is a 9 million, but they're both going to be unrestricted free agents. And this is more so that slow rebuild move where you just want that consistent um, veteran in there who, who's going to who's going to manage the game clock, um, you know, just not turn over the ball, be a good pick and roll partner with Wimby, kind of get the players in their positions. And so, again, if, if you if you acquire Tyus um, or, or Monty, again, you're, you're just getting you're, you're, you have a, a good inclination that you're going to be able to resign them in the offseason because obviously you wouldn't trade for them just for a few months on a five win team, you know, there's no point to that. So that's kind of my, where, where my thoughts were. I didn't really see um, just early on, you know, I don't, I, again, because they're not expected to go to contender status within like the next um, two or, or by year two or three of, uh, with Wemby, I wouldn't put, you know, put uh, go dramatically in terms, in terms of, um, you know, really being aggressive and losing some future assets uh, or giving up really good players to try to go get a player who's established right or uh, as established right now. So again, I wouldn't make a huge splash on the Spurs, but I would, you know, look at some deals like, like we've talked about here and say, Hey, if this is going to benefit the team for the next two to four years, you know, why not, why not do that right now? Uh, and then regarding what you said about sellers and buyers, again, I get, I just agree with you right there with, um, I, I agree with you. Should I say the McDermott, obviously, I think that they're, they're just looking to see, you know, can they get some second round picks from before he hits free agency? Jetty Osmond's interesting because I could see them because he is on a, on the last year of his deal. I could see, see them trying to move him just in case, um, you know, they can get some, some draft capital, but He's also the type of player where I feel like they they actually like him. He's only how old did I write his age? He's only twenty eight years old, so they can lock him up, you know, two to four years on ex, on an extension this offseason or on a new contract. I, I feel like he's really been a part of the team, and they really like him just to be there as a as a good veteran player uh, with this young group. So again, I could see him returning. And then Devontae, I didn't write down just because I don't think he has a lot of value. I don't think teams would would would, would trade for him at this point um, out, out there. So that's kind of where my thoughts are with with the, with the situation that you mentioned. Yeah, I think. Um... One of the things is we're talking about this that I feel like is important and it's a little bit understated. You know, one of the things that I've been looking at this season as is, you know, unless Wimby has like an injury plagued year, this is going to be his worst season until he's post prime, you know, like looking at his aging curve, looking at his physical development and looking at just him learning the NBA game. Um, you know, he's going to continue getting closer to closer to prime and then he's going to be in prime for however long his body allows. And then he's going to start to decline. So this is his, um, worst year. Like he's obviously still very good, but I think that it should be a priority that you want to find that pick and roll yes, ball for handler sure. to pair for with sure. him. And, and a big example I can think of is, um, Steve Jones Jr. of the dunker spot talked about like building that pick and roll chemistry. And a great example I can think of is D'Angelo Russell is a good pick and roll ball handler. And when Rudy Gate or not Rudy Gate, Rudy Gobert came over, you know, Rudy really struggled in that first half of that season until they traded for Mike Conley, who he had that chemistry with. Mm -hmm. um, he had built that chemistry with. And I think whoever you bring in, it's going to take a while for 
Vic to build that chemistry. But once you have it, it's going to be so important. I mean, we hear the stories of Tony Parker and Tim Duncan, where it's just like a simple eye movement and they know, oh, Tim's going to cut to the basket, right? Like these are only things you can build with time. And I think they need to like, they need to build these reps with that player who's going to be his pick and roll running mate uh, for some time to come. And whether that means giving Trey Jones more of the starting minutes like they have recently and it's been successful, or whether that means like, hey, keeping an eye out of if there is is anyone on the trade market that they can land, like a DeJounte. So yeah, that's that's where I'm at too. And it's really, you know, it's hard because you don't, if you're the Spurs, want to give up too many assets. They have so many assets that they could make a big splash if it became available to them. And I think one thing that can't be underrated is even with how their season has gone. There have still been situations where big name players have mentioned, oh, you know, I want to go to a winning situation. I want to go to this place, this place, and this place. But I respect Pop, and I wouldn't mind playing with Wimpy. You know, like we've heard that several times already. I know that came out with the Dame stuff, but I think that also came out with the Zach Levine stuff as well. And so regardless of what the record is right now, like – NBA players understand, you know, they all started in the same place and Wimby's only going to get better and better. And I think there are some players who see the appeal of growing with a player like that. So I think, you know, it's hard because if you wait too long, then you missed your chance, but you don't want to give up assets and then miss the ability to make that big swing. Because I actually think with Wimby here, there are big name players who would be willing to be a part of a rebuild like this. So that's that's been very tough for me is the asset management. You know, I think that's the biggest question that they have to deal with right now. They got so many assets that it's hard to walk the line, but they don't have like thunder level assets where they can kind of just throw a couple around in a trade. So yeah. it's it's tough. Mm-hmm. I I honestly would expect them to do exploratory talks like they have done with Dejounte, but unless the price is something that they feel super great about, that yeah. they would be pretty quiet until the off season. Um. But, you know, I, I think kind of like what you're talking about, the different types of players, uh, they talked about in the Hollinger and Duncan. John Hollinger mentioned, you know, Tyus Jones is a free agent this summer. And so bringing him in means you have his birthright. So there's those kinds of situations there. Um, so, yeah, I, to me, I, I, I would imagine it's going to be probably a pretty quiet trade deadline, except for maybe some fringe moves. But I think if they can bring in that that player who could fill in the other pick and roll minutes next to Trey Jones on the like lineup sheet that could provide a lot of value going forward. Okay. We also got to mention too, that they do have the, you know, potentially the first pick in the draft and also the, um, the, you know, potentially the eighth pick in the draft. But again, uh, you know, even like the guy we were talking about with Ben about a month ago, Isaiah Collier, I looked at um, ESPN's latest draft mock and he's like falling down to eight. So again, there's like not, we've heard all, everybody's just been talking about how this isn't like a great draft. So I don't know if you really want to, you know, you want to put too, too much into, into that, that you're going to find either that, that starting point guard or that, or that starting uh, wing out there. So again, draft is, I mean, the uh, trade deadline is still about a month away. But it was just really um, interesting that, you know, it was a, it was a really fun topic to talk about. Just calling it, you know, Colin prepped the notes there. And and uh, I really, you know, I actually switched it. We were supposed to talk about the games first. And then I was like, no, no, this is really fun. And then especially with the um, DeJounte room that just came out. So, again, I'm with you, Colin, where I think that they they will just kind of watch the deals that are out there. Again, they'll try to get some some value for some of those veteran players. But and if there's like some some ability to to take on some bad salary for um for draft picks, they'll, they'll do that. But again, I, I wouldn't think that I don't think they would be super aggressive at shopping, a pl- looking, going after a player like DeJounte, unless like the deal they really feel is right. And it's not, and they're not giving up too, too much. San Antonio. Yeah. That'll, well, that'll be- in, Go ahead. The other thing about drafting a point guard, you know, whether it's 
Collier or Topic or whoever it is, you know, even if they draft the best point guard in the class and this player turns out to be an all-star in their career, you know, uh, point guards are, as a rookie, if you're starting a rookie point guard, you are going to lose games. Like, mm-hmm. if we want to look at a MVP caliber prospect who came in, had a rough couple years, Kevin Durant, his first year, the Supersonics were bad. The second year, he took a big leap forward, but their starting point guard was Russell Westbrook, who became an MVP, but he was a rookie starting point guard, and they started two of 18. So I think that's also another thing that I want to convey to fans is like, I, I understand and I do like the idea of getting a rookie point guard who will eventually grow with the team. But if you do that, you are almost certainly signing up for another year of bad, which with Cooper flag in the 2025 draft, I don't know if that's the worst thing in the world, but I also know that that's not what fans want to hear right now. So it's just one of those things where like drafting a point guard sounds like a great idea, but just a heads up, you are signing up for another year of losing probably if you do that. Yeah, no, for, for sure. For sure. Um, so, so we'll see what, again, what uh, it's about a month away. We'll definitely revisit this before the uh, trade deadline gets here now. And now that, you know, every week on the Spurs cast, I need to make sure I'm checking all the rumors pages or things like that. See what's going on. Uh, if the Spurs are in any type of trade rumors. All right. So let's go ahead and um, uh, finish with the, with the uh, last few topics here at this episode. Let's just do a quick recap of the games. Um, uh, this has only been two since I last recorded an episode last week. They've actually had an, 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 um, a good chunk of days off lately. So first it was Giannis versus Wemby round one. This took place last Thursday in San Antonio. It was a close game throughout. Um, the Bucks were on the second out of a back-to-back. The Spurs barely lost this game by four points. Giannis uh, had 44 points, 14 rebounds, seven assists. And then Wemby counters him on a minutes restriction with 27 points, nine rebounds, five blocks. Of course, we know one of the epic one of his epic blocks was that one on Giannis trying to, trying to dunk the ball. I mean, you don't see that happen to Giannis every day is, is at a player actually blocking him. And so uh, when we did that, obviously, we know the Spurs end up losing. And then the Spurs had another good game on Sunday uh, afternoon in Cleveland. So they, they're they up early by 14 points. Then the Cavs come back and have a 60 point lead. And now, you know, pretty much we think that it's over. Well, no, the Spurs battled back. They get the game down to crunch time and they barely lose by two points. And they had a chance there when uh, Wemby gets double teamed down low uh, in the last few seconds of the game. He, he, he passes it to Sohan, who's cutting. Sohan, um, you know, ends up throwing that ball out of bounds to Kelton Johnson. And of course, that was the Spurs' best chance to win the game there on that possession. And so, again, they just barely lost by two. Consider they, they, they were down by 16. Uh, Wemby, again, has another great night to, um, uh, on offense and defense with uh, 24 points, 10 rebounds, five blocks. Um, just 10 blocks in two games is insane. The fact that we have to just read that. Like when I did the stats, I like, I, I, I forgot what the number was, but it said like, I, I don't know what the number was. It was like 91 and then two games go by. And then I, I type one one. I was like, Oh my like, this dude got 10 blocks and two guys. It just, it just boggles your mind that he's the only player who just the other players. Like you'll see like, like Dominic bro, like one to three, like, you know, it's just like, and yeah, yeah he does 10 in, in, a, in two games, two game span. Uh, just talking about Wemby, what he's been doing lately. He's really picked it up offensively 20 points in, in, um, in, um, in five straight games, which is uh, 20 or more points in five straight games, which is the first time he's done that this in his rookie career. Uh, and then also um, 101 blocks in just 31 games. And we got to remember this guy in the last like five or six games, he's been on a minutes restriction. He's not allowed to play in back to back. So just, just incredible numbers that he's putting up right now, especially defensively. And he's still on that minutes restriction. They haven't quite lifted it yet. Um, like, like we saw against the bucks. If the, if the game's right on the line, they might give him that 26 minute push. But aside from that, um, what are your thoughts, Colin, on these last two games and specifically Wemby out, what the numbers that he, that he's um, showing right now or providing? Yeah. One thing that I really have liked recently has been, the aggression that he has in this minutes limit. I feel like he's very mentally cognizant of when I go out there, I have 25 minutes Mm -hmm. and you can see like from the moment 
the ball tips. He is aggressive to get to his spot and get his shots. And he is like scoring well. And I think, you know, a big question that a lot of people have had is, Hey, you know, Wimby came in, why are the Spurs worse than they were last season? And I think people are very much underrating the fact that he's coming in and he knows the level of hype around him. He knows what he can become, but he also is coming in with this level of like, if you ever hear him talk, like, I want to learn from these guys. I want to be a part of the Spurs. Like I want to be in at the same time, these other players are trying to figure out how to play with Wimby too, while also still getting their own. And it, it's kind of this awkward like song and dance of, is it my turn? Is it your turn? What's going to, and, and just to see, it's almost like this minutes limit has forced him when he's out there to know like, Hey, you're only going to be out there for 25 minutes. So if, if you want yours, you got to get it now. And like to see that has been really impressive. Um, I think one really interesting thing for me is we're at 35 games in now. And this is, I think when a lot of us would have expected his production to start to decline because of the, length of seasons over in Europe, you know, he had a first, like really good first five games. And then he was good for the next 30 or 25 or 20 or whatever. But the fact that he's really picked it up, even though this is normally the time in the year where a lot of rookies are like, Hey, like I'm not used to playing 82 games. And now we're hitting the 40 game mark and I'm not used to it. Like the fact that the production is going up instead of down now is a really promising sign to me. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, I think, it made this season exciting, even when they were losing to every night have like, I remember one of our early podcasts when you just had like the play by play and it was like, this is the like really amazing thing when we did this. And, you know, he was obviously still playing really well, but like these past two games and even before that, but especially those last two, I feel like we're really starting to get back to, oh my gosh, did you see what Wimby just did? Which is, you know, win or lose. I think that's kind of the best that any person who's watching analyzing or whatever the Spurs could hope for is just that like level of excitement from him, because we know what the season is going to be, but it's just been fun to see those moments come back where it's like, Oh my gosh, did you just see what Wimby did? I had, you know, family members saying, Oh my gosh, you know, I haven't watched the Spurs in however long, but like, I saw the highlights of that game. How did he do that? You know? Um, and, And that's just, I'm glad that we're getting back to that because that, that, that makes the season a whole lot more fun regardless of what the record is. Yeah, well, that was the the Bucks game was the one right where he throws off the bl- off the glass and dunks it himself. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, yeah, man. And then just uh, what was it? Um, even like the other day against the Cavs, just you know, you know, I'm just gonna run pick and roll with Trey Jones setting the screen. Trey Jones rolls under the rim and he still finds Trey through traffic and Trey mm-hmm. finishes the layup. Just yeah, it, and this is only year one again. And, and obviously, you know, man, it's just it's just gonna get he's only gonna get um more dangerous. And then one thing, to, one of the one of the things I like doing after the games is when I get the quotes um from from the from the visiting teams is I love to just because every reporter asks the same question at this point. They're like they they'll ask the 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 team that beat the Spurs. You know, obviously, you know, how did you beat the Spurs? Blah blah blah. But then the second question is always, what did you think of Wemby? And then every player just has like just these it's just really interesting to see the level of of players like the other day donovan mitchell saying he's going to be a defensive he's already a defensive monster already like it's just and these are some like you know high level players here like you know all, all stars all nba level players that are just giving these answers and i think that's something to keep in mind what you mentioned earlier about the trades is that like our, our signing as free agents down the road is that some of these players, you know, they're going to keep in mind, they've they're only seen what, what, what rookie Wemby is. Imagine from year three, year four, you know, what, what he's going to be like if they want to come, you know, join him on, on, on Spurs. So again, that's, that's one of the things I really like to uh, seeing as well after the games is some of the quotes that from some of the other players in the league, uh, their impressions on Wemby. And the players know too, you know, I think of actually Donovan Mitchell is a great 
case for that. And the other guy I think of is Devin Booker, who their rookie years, their teams weren't seeing a lot of success, but every time other players would come in, they'd be like, no, this guy is special. Even like, oh, Devin Booker, you know, his true shooting is 40% or whatever. And people are like, well, I don't know if he can, but like other players would come in and they're like, no, no, this guy is it. And now look, you know, here we are seven, eight years later. And, you know, the players know when they're playing against the guy who has that it factor. And I think, you know, obviously he has accounting stats. The record isn't where people want it to be. But I think that the most telling thing of if he's on track or not is like a player like Giannis saying, like, we have never seen a guy like this before and he's going to take over the league someday. Like those, you know, these are the people who live that craft every day. They know like what they see when they see it. And so I think that's probably the most encouraging thing to like, yeah, he's still on track to where we thought he would be before the season started. Yeah, for sure. Totally agree there. All right. So the last topic, let's not spend too much time on it because we don't know if it's going to be an actual um, uh, consistent lineup. So uh, Trey Jones has started the last two games for the Spurs against the Bucks and the Cavs. Um, and mainly it, that happened against the Bucks because Branham was coming off an injury. Uh, Malachi Branham had been the starting point guard. So let's just look at and again, it's a two game sample size. So I don't want to spend a ton of time on here. Uh, so in 63 possessions with, with Jones at the point, And again, Vassell at the two Champagne at the three. Sohan at the four Wemby at the five, the Spurs are a plus 10.9 uh, uh, points per 100 per cleaning the glass. When Brandon was there in 90 possessions, it's a uh, the, the line the set that same lineup was a minus 14.7 points per 100. Again, very small sample sizes. Um, most of the Spurs' um, most used lineups have logged at least 180 possessions or more. So again, we're looking at a very tiny sample size here. Um, Poppy hasn't even confirmed that that Trey's going to be the starting point guard going forward. Again, this has just happened because Malachi was coming back from injury, so we don't know quite yet if this will be the lineup going forward. Um, and then one thing we noticed is just their competitiveness. I mean, they barely lost to the Bucks by four points. They barely lost to the Cavs by two. And just some some very early numbers. Again, just two games. Trey's averaging 18 points per game uh, with five assists to two, two and a half turnovers. And again, one of the main reasons why they moved Kelton to the bench was that we want they, they wanted to see if, what Vassell and Wemby could do um, with, with Kelton coming off the bench. And, and, and at first, as I mentioned in last week's episode, Vassell was having a little bit of a struggle um, at first. But but in these last two games, he's really taken off. He's uh, averaging 28 points per game, three and a half assists to zero turnovers. And then Wemby, of course, like we mentioned, 25.5 points per game and two assists to four turnovers. And he's also getting to the line eight and a half free throw attempts per game. Again, at two game sample size. We don't want to spend too, too much time on here. Just what have you in your initial thoughts um, uh, on Trey Jones' starting point in the event that he gets to keep this, this, um, this spot? Yeah, I think... Um... The word I used on Twitter earlier today was the steady hand. You know, it reminds me a lot of uh, when Derek White was here and there was almost like a calming effect where he kind of just like dictates the offense. He kind of, okay, guys, like, let's calm down. Let's get everything going, set into things. And I think the other thing that can't be overstated is just having a lineup where everyone is understanding what their role is and confident in their role. You know, I, I understand the Jeremy Sohan point guard experiment. Um, I think it's fair to say that by the end of that, he wasn't comfortable or confident in his role. You know, Malachi Branham came in the league kind of be more like what Devin Vassell is, this like two guard, three level scorer. You know, he, I don't think came in with these point guard level skills as much as like a scoring wing. And so, you know, that's not to say that either of those players are bad or that either of those players can't become an offense setter as time goes on. But I do think that there is just something about you have five players out there who are all comfortable in what their role is, know what they're out there to do and feel comfortable playing with each other. And I think that's what happens when you slot Trey Jones at point guard. Um, you know, I think that just makes the whole lineup make sense. And like I said, everyone feels comfortable in their role. And I think you can see it 
when the net ratings the way they are with how competitive they are um and yeah i think it's one of those situations i was watching i was re-watching all of the defensive possessions in that Cavs game and you know the whole butterfly effect just because one thing happened doesn't mean the whole game would happen that way mm-hmm. they lost by two but at the end of the first they inbounded the ball to karis lever and he shot a three like the spurs yeah, just threw the that. ball to karis lever yes like, yes i remember that do I think if that didn't happen, oh, they would have won by one? Like, that's not how this works. But at the same time, like, those are the margins here. Like, at the beginning of the year, we were talking about they go through these five games or five-minute stretches where they have terrible execution and they lose by 15. And now we're talking about little mistakes here or there, and they're losing by two. Like, this is a huge improvement. And I think part of that is just you have someone running the show who's confident in that role. Um and whether Sohan somehow sometime becomes confident in that particular role, or Branham does, or they they trade for another point guard who can be, or something like that, I think that just that that level of comfort in that point guard role is something that that starting lineup needs to look the way that it has with Trey Jones. Yeah, no, I I agree with there with you there, and then it'll be if they keep trained in the lineup, it'll be really good. Just fighting for their, their team, you know, I guess morale, because this is their month where they can get a lot, you know, get, get a few more wins on the board. Um, could, this could be one of their best months of the season by schedule, by the, by the opponents that they're supposed to play. Cause they're, they're already supposed to open up with Detroit on Wednesday. And then, um, who is it? Charlotte, I think on Friday. So I, I think just having, you know, having one of their best lineups and groups out there, you know, just to get some wins on the board by the, by the end of the month uh, would be nice for the team. All right, Colin. So um, thank you for joining me here on this episode of the Spurs. And also for contributing some notes there, man, that trade topic was really, was re- really fun here there at the beginning of the episode. Uh, if you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate and review on YouTube and your favorite podcast apps. This episode was written, recorded and produced by Paul Garcia from all of us at Project Spurs. Stay safe and have a great day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.